today on Real Life Radio. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's you, that's me, that's not just middle class America, that's not just black or white or yellow or green or whatever, it's all people. And to detract from that is to rob from the power of the blood of Christ. It's more sacred than our prejudice and our, our leaning. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Life Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called The Gospel of Luke with a message called It's a Matter of Life and Death. Now, the Gospel of Luke is a series that gives us both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus Christ as only Luke, a physician, could really see. Here, as we continue in chapter 4, we'll discover that Jesus is a prophecy fulfilled and he's the hope for our salvation. You see, what we've learned so far is that salvation through Jesus Christ is personal. To accept or reject him, well, it's a decision that we've got to make on our own. When Jesus walked here on the earth, there was already enough evidence to follow him, and many lives were changed. And you know what? The same is true today. The Bible, especially here in the Gospel of Luke, gives us Jesus and his message as no one else can. You and I just need to decide what we're going to do with it. So today on this part of the message, Pastor Jack goes on to say that salvation is a global invitation. There is no one beyond the hope of God's love. It's why we need to invite others to know Jesus Christ, not to exclude them no matter who they are or their background. Now in his message called, It's a Matter of Life and Death, here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. You know, we, we so often talk about this word, have you accepted? Have you accepted Jesus Christ? Have you ever heard that? Have you received Jesus Christ? Where does that come from? That statement, that word is not found in the Bible exactly, but it comes out of this passage right here. They were scandalized. They were offended. They did not accept this prophet, Jesus, with honor. And so we'll ask today, have you accepted Christ? What does that mean? Have you, listen, church, have you chosen, decided to honor Jesus Christ? That's what it means. They didn't honor him then, but you can honor him now. Those who did believe in him then honored him by this willful act of receiving him or accepting him. So when we say, have you accepted Christ? That's the great question. Have you received or accepted Christ? We could change the question today and it would be just as accurate. Have you honored Christ? And that's what we need to ask ourselves. That's what we need to ask people um, when we invite them about Jesus. Have you, have you received Christ? Well, they might say yes. Why do they say yes? Because it's common. It's common to say yes. Have, have you accepted? Have you received Jesus? Yes. Oh, but wait a minute. The true definition is, have you honored Christ? What is the honoring of Christ? It's a beautiful thing. If I send you an invitation to come to my home for dinner and you either don't respond or you respond by saying, drop dead, you didn't honor me. I'm honored. If you accept my invitation, I'm honored by your invitation. I accept it. I, I issue it. You say yes. And by you saying yes, I'm honored that you would come. God says, please come to heaven. Please accept my son. Honor him. 
what he's done for you. We don't answer. We send back a note. No. This is what that city, this is what that town was doing. Very sad. In John chapter 5, verse 23, John 5, 23 and 24, the Bible says that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. How so? By honoring the son, by giving respect, by giving value. Jesus is about, though, here to give an example about honoring and accepting. And it's going to be quite shocking. You need to hang on to your seat. I, I pray, and I've been praying this, God, may we be able to grasp the magnitude of what we're about to read here. Jesus is surrounded. Please don't be offended by this. It's just accurate. Jesus is in Nazareth. He is surrounded by uh, Jews. He himself is a Jew in a synagogue. Okay? This is the setting. So all of you have sandals on. All of you have robes on. All you men, you have your little kippah or yarmulke on and all the women you have the uh, veil over your head we're all there 2,000 years ago here's this guy speaking to you very famous people have been following him there's all kinds of rumors going on about him he, he can raise the dead he can open the eyes of the blind it's been it's been a Interesting, ever since we heard about his mom being pregnant, it's been wild, to say the least. Some say angels even showed up at his birth and a lot of stuff surrounding him. This is what you're thinking. This is what you're going through. Now watch this. Second point to our study. Hang on. Salvation is a global invitation, verses 25 to 27. You're all there. Watch what happens. Jesus speaks to them. I tell you truly, or I am speaking to you now the truth, he says. Verse 25. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. They have no problem with that. Everyone's saying, cool. When the heavens were shut up for three and a half years, we understand that. They knew their Old Testament. And there was a great famine throughout all the land. They're all going, get to your point. We know, we know, we read the book. We know our Bibles. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath. Zarephath is a town in Sidonia, today Lebanon, in the regions of Tyre and Sidon, Gentile land, non-Jewish land. They grew pigs there. They ate bacon. They had pork chops. Remember, you're Jewish. You're going, <gasps> honestly, we don't even get it because we're, we're Southern Californians. Everything's cool. They were so selective about themselves that when he said Jesus simply quotes the Bible, he's quoting scripture, he's quoting 1 Kings chapter 17, he's quoting it, and they begin to grind their teeth because he is speaking to them about Elijah, a Jewish prophet, going to a Gentile region. Not only to a Gentile region, he goes to a Gentile's house, a lady on top of it. Women were considered as dogs. Nothing. So watch this. In fact, let me read the verse to you. You can jot it down. 1 Kings 17, 
10 to 16. Listen to this. So Elijah coming to Zarephath came to the town gate and a widow was there gathering sticks. Calling to her, he asked, would you bring me a little water and a jug so I may drink? This is a Jewish prophet speaking to a Gentile nobody. As she was going to get it, he called again to her and said, bring me please some piece of bread. As surely as the Lord, your, your God, not her God, as surely as the Lord, your God, you're a Jew. As surely as Yahweh, your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour, listen up everyone, in a jar and a little bit of oil left in my jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home to make a meal for myself and my son, remember she's a widow, and that we may eat it and then we will die. That's our last meal. We're so poor, we're going to have our last little crumple of bread and then we're going to lay down to die. You ask me for bread? I don't have anything. Elijah said to her, listen to this. This is this not how God works. Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, before you go, make me a small cake that I may eat it and bring it to me. Can you imagine, excuse me, Mr. Prophet, sir, do you not hear what I'm saying? Have a, give me a break, William. We're going to die, my son and I. And you're hungry. You're a big guy. Go get your own burger. There's a lot of stuff around here you can eat. It's amazing to me. It's beautiful. Watch what happens. Verse 14. For this is what the Lord, the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the Lord your God gives you rain on this land. This is what he said to her. And so she went her way and did as Elijah told her to do. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her son. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil never ran dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by the prophet Elijah. Is that awesome? You guys grab this. What is the deal? What's Jesus saying? You guys, the gospel's come to you. You don't want it. Miracles have been done. You keep testing God. The invitation goes out, you reject it. I tell you something. You guys are just like Israel back in those days when Elijah had to leave the countryside, go into a land of Gentiles who acted in obedience. She believed and trusted she gave Elijah honor and honored God, the God who she didn't even know, in obedience, a Gentile. You know what the Bible says to us who are Gentiles? By the way, we're all Gentiles if we're not Jewish. Did you know that? If you're, you're either Jewish or Gentile in the Jewish mind. That makes me a Gentile. I'm mostly Portuguese, but a little bit of German in me. That's I'm a Gentile. Here's the deal. When I receive and honor and love God from the word, the Bible says I am provoking the Jewish people to jealousy because I know their God. The woman at Zarephath, the Sidonian woman, she came to know God. And this starts to upset these Jewish people because they believed that they not only had God, they had God exclusively. In fact, they had the Ark of the Covenant. They had God in a box. Like lunch. He was in a box. You wanted to go see God. You go to the temple. He's in the box. Never put God in a box. It doesn't work. Israel had him in a box. Jesus says it's not going to work. She honored God by obeying the prophet. Look at uh, verse 26. 
Salvation is a global invitation because, listen, of his great love. It's not only because of his great love. Salvation is a global uh, invitation because of our great need. You saw that in verses 25 to 26, the great need. God speaks to us out of our need. And secondly, verse 26, he speaks to us uh, regarding salvation and this invitation because of his great love. He says, but none of them was sent, or none, excuse me, uh, was Elijah sent to except to Zarephath, to this woman. And I'm just going to give you three examples. One of them is right here. Elijah was sent to an undesirable, hated people group in the Jewish mind. But this is how our God works. Jonah, remember him? He was sent to an undesirable, hated people group. The Assyrians, the modern day Iranian and Iraqis, predominantly Iraqis. A modern day hated group in Jonah's day but God sends Jonah to them, a Jewish prophet. Jesus is sent, in my opinion, Jesus is sent to an undesirable people group. Who? The world. Who wants this place? Who wants people? God does. Christ came to us, for us. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, 1 John 4, 9, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God was sent, or God has sent, his only begotten son. Listen. That we might live through him. In this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus came. Galatians 4, verse 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Now look, I'm going to go quickly through this and just so you don't misunderstand. The gospel was first presented to the nation of Israel. It was predominantly rejected and thereby went to the world. But make no mistake about it. God is not done with the nation of Israel. Those of you who have watched the rebirth of the nation of Israel since 1948, you know what your Bible says. That in the last days, God will once again put his hand upon Israel. There's a day coming, my friend. Are you aware of this? Do you know this? When you read your Bible, did you know that there's a day coming that the church's influence will begin to wane away until the church is raptured away. But during the tribulation period, it is the nation of Israel that's going to put forth the word of God to the world. The 144,000 prophets or evangelists, 12,000 from each tribe, they're all Jewish. In fact, the book of Revelation says they're Jewish men who speak Hebrew and they're virgins. And 12,000 from each tribe. When's that going to happen? During the tribulation period. They're going to preach to the world. And John says a number that will be saved out of the world is a number too great for anyone to ever count. Isn't that awesome? Think about that. The greatest days ahead for the presentation of the gospel is still yet in the future. But ultimately, it will be done by the nation of Israel. You say, is it being done by the nation of Israel now? No. 2,000 years ago, they rejected the gospel. But God did not reject them. He, so to speak, has put them on pause in his great eternal plan. Isaiah 49.6, listen to this. Isaiah 49.6 says, I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. He spoke that to Israel. Isaiah 11.10 but in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. That's Jesus Christ 
in Jerusalem. The nations, that's the Gentile nations, will rally to him and his place they will rest gloriously. In the future, Israel will become the epicenter of global evangelism. John chapter 4, Jesus said there in verses 21 to 24 that salvation is of the Jewish nation. They are God's chosen people. They still are God's chosen people. But because of Israel's rejection of the gospel, they've been put on the sidelines for the last 2,000 years. But I'm telling you, I'm excited. Yes, I see the church in the world going to sleep and becoming apathetic. But I'm very excited to see the oncoming of Israel as a nation and a spiritual nation. There are over now 5,000. Doesn't sound like much, huh? But there are over 5,000 born-again Jews in Israel today that are worshiping Jesus as Messiah. That number is increasing. They estimate that there's more than that, but people, some people can't say that they are worshiping Jesus because it will cost them greatly. Let's keep going. Verse 27, Jesus continues this one-two punch to provoke them. Uh, he says, and many lepers were in the Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet, but none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. This is amazing. Are you ready for this? This is found, by the way, in 2 Kings 5. In 2 Kings 5. This is not Elijah. Elijah came first. Elijah came second. Now watch this. Elijah this is a great story. You got to read it later. It's just fun reading. Um, here's this pagan nation that is anti-Israel, going to kill the Jews if they get a chance. The general of their armies has got leprosy. So the enemy of Israel has leprosy. Now, the, the normal thought would be, let him rot. That's what leprosy does. It eats you, eats you up and you stink really bad and your skin falls off. There's still a, a little over 230 lepers that live on the Hawaiian island of Molokai. And uh, when's the last time you went on vacation in Molokai, huh? It's a leper colony there. Father Damien founded that and, and died there. Leprosy. The Bible uh, portrays leprosy as a type of sin. It starts out very, very small, microscopic, can't see it until it eats you alive. And by the way, when it eats you up, it eats your extremities first so that you can't feel anything. You go numb. Sin makes you numb. It eats you alive. Israel's enemies got leprosy. The general consensus, I would imagine, of the Israeli people is let the guy rot. Well, watch what happens. The Bible tells us that God began to speak to this uh, general, this pagan general, and uh, informs him that there's a prophet in Israel whose God can heal you. And listen, he has a little slave girl, and she's Jewish, and she loves her master. He must be a nice guy. She says, listen, will you please go and talk to this prophet Elijah, and God can touch you. So he goes, okay, I'll give it a try. So he goes, and the event takes place this way. Elijah doesn't even go out to see the general. He doesn't even go. To, he just sends him a note. Here's the note. Go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Now watch this. This guy almost lost it. Here's this noble general, and he reads this note, and he says to himself, it's recorded in the Bible, what am I, stupid? Why should I dip in the filthy Jordan River? Aren't there two better rivers in Syria, better than the Jordan? See, he's looking at it naturally. Shouldn't I just go dip in nice, cool mountain waters? So he says, shine you, I'm, I'm going back. And they tell him, why don't you just try it? Just obey the command of the prophet, who knows? I mean, if you could do the dipping in the Syrian rivers, what's the big deal? But this is odd, don't you think? So do you know what? I wish we could have been there to watch this. He goes out in the water. 
He's a general. He goes out in the water in the Jordan River looking around. Can you imagine? How many times are we supposed to dip? Seven. Seven times. One. He dips under. Two. Three. This is stupid. I'm not going to do this. Come on. Four. <laughs> Five. Oh, come on. Six. Seven. He comes up out of the water and the Bible says that his skin, not only right then, but for the rest of his life was that of a baby's. God healed him. You say, that's cool. Jesus says, it's awesome. But to these selective Jews who believed, by the way, by doctrine, that Gentiles were created to stoke the flames of hell, is this good news? Not good news at all. You see, this gospel invitation goes out to the world. See, you happen to be a Christian because you've responded to the gospel. Let it be known by all men today that we're not Christians because we joined a club. We're not Christians because we were born into Christianity. Impossible. That would make us just like the Jewish people of Jesus' day. We're saved. We're going to heaven because we're Jewish. We're saved. We're going to heaven because we've been circumcised. You see what I'm saying? That doesn't get you in. The gospel message is to the Jewish nation and beyond. It's for all people. Did you know this? Okay, watch this. Watch. This is a test. How do you feel about this? Be careful. Did not Jesus die on the cross for all sin? Doesn't the Bible say, for God so loved the, what? That who, what, that whosoever. That includes Charlie Manson. Charlie Manson has the opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ. Oh, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. If Charlie Manson was born into a Christian home and was baptized, it doesn't mean that Charlie Manson's going to heaven. You see? He has to repent and choose Christ. You say, well, that's ridiculous. It's true, though. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's you. That's me. That's not just middle class or upper middle class America. That's not just black or white or yellow or green or whatever. It's all people. And to detract from that is to rob from the power of the blood of Christ. It's more sacred than our prejudice and our are leaning. It's wrong. Jesus paid the debt for all, which leads us to this point here, this uh, consideration. Salvation is a global invitation to the world because, listen, global because of its great expense. It's great expense. We read the, or I quoted the verse a moment ago. Listen, John chapter three, verse 15. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. Listen, but he who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is that condemnation, that light has come into the world, but men love their darkness more. Men love their darkness more than the light. Amazing, isn't it? Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs here on Real Life Radio with his message called It's a Matter of Life and Death. Thanks for being with us today. And you know, this message is part of Pastor Jack's new series called The Gospel of Luke. It's a series on the book of Luke and the unveiling of Jesus Christ to this world. 
and we'll continue on the next edition of Real Life Radio. You know, God has an amazing inheritance waiting for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and He wants you to know all about it. Salvation is only possible for those who give their lives to Jesus Christ. But if you're not sure how to go about that, why don't you let us help? Simply go to our website, jackhibbs.com, click on that tab that says No God, that's spelled out K-N-O-W, God. Now, once you're there, you'll find the full meaning of what salvation in Jesus Christ is all about. There's even a way for you to email us and tell us all about your decision to follow Christ. Again, that's the tab labeled No God, and you'll find it at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Life Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Life Radio.